Hello and welcome to the Hindsight Podcast. As we count down to the 2019 Ballon d'Or Awards, the nominees, the votes, its allocations and misallocations, post-award debates, conspiracy theories and controversies, the conversation ensues as to who should win the most coveted individual prize in football. Or the award recognizes the best male football player over the course of the calendar year, thus creating a tough window for assessments, the back half of the 2018-19 season, any summer international tournaments, and the first portion of the 2019-20 campaign. Well, here on the Hindsight Podcast, we thought to roll it a decade back and rank the world's top 20 footballers in their peak years over a 10-year window. And surely we hear you asking, on what basis, what are the criteria, and why rank the players at all? Well, something tells me at the end of the podcast, those questions would have been answered, or maybe not. Well, whatever the case may be, we won't be too far off as we've got the benefit of hindsight. So here are the ground rules for ranking the world's top 20 footballers over the last 10 years. Number one, this ranking only captures peak performances over the last decade for clarity or ranking the best football players between 2010 to 2019. Number two, the players must have had five or more consecutive pick years within the last decade. And finally, number three, the player must have had some incredibly outstanding performances. Well, someone called it the editor's pick. Well, it's a tricky period to, of course, rank the players, but it does somewhat coincide with the genesis of Messi-Ronaldo, that duopoly, which makes us even more interested to find out the actors in the sporting cast over the last couple of years. Well, the nominations isn't something we've taken quite lightly. It's taken a few animated personalities, craft voices, late nights, and hats palpitations to come up with a 20-man shortlist. Well, now it's time to do something we haven't done yet. Rank the players from top to bottom, or rather, from bottom to top. And joining me on this podcast, Solis Chuku, who on his worst day tries to be the most calm person in the room, but even he got animated during the nominations. And certainly, Macaulay Mac, the boss, aka Cerebron, our Spanish consulate and correspondent in many ways, joins us on the podcast today. Olakule Rufai, not quite here today, but he was also a part of the rankings. The mastermind, who of course uh, did also play a massive part in the rankings. Well, of course, Alexis obviously is on the podcast today. He all put it together and he is a humble personality who, of course, became a fiery tiger in ranking the players himself. Well then, my name is Eubin Dunofit, your host for today. And gentlemen, we're about to get into the rankings for the top 20 footballers over the last decade or thereabouts. Welcome along to the Hindsight Podcast. It's good to have each and every one of you here today. And we're certainly uh, in for a tough task ahead of us, gentlemen. We're going to start off with um, your welcomes, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you very much, Yubi. It's a pleasure to be here. And this is uh, a quite difficult task, as we all know. But um, I look forward to it. Let's, let's dig our teeth into this. Well, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. I see you getting to uh, the mood. We've pretty much talked about everything from uh, football to music to politics just before the podcast, just to get ourselves in the mood for what is to come. But I get the feeling that it would even get uh, a bit more heated before then. Macaulay, it's good to have you here. Yes. It's uh, strange. Nobody calls you Macaulay, isn't it? Yes, because that's not my name. <laughs> <laughs> it's because my name is Mark Duvester. Right. Macaulay, Macaulay. But really, Sha, I'm really happy to be here. I'm very excited to talk about this. I'm very excited to fight <laughs> over my, <laughs> my, <laughs> over my seats. I've been fighting since and I'll continue fighting. And um, generally, I'm just happy. Well, certainly, um, we are certainly looking forward to having you out of your shell. Normally, a very um, reserved person. I'm not quite sure between yourself and Solis. I think uh, you would take that pick. But uh, it will be interesting to see you uh, your elements today ranking the top 20 footballers in the last 10 years. Yeah, definitely. And it would be interesting to also see, you know, 
when the arguments start because I mean a lot of the players, three people would agree, you know, two would disagree, and so I'm sure that those things will come in play when we start the ranking. It's also important to mention we've got a 20-man shortlist. Yeah. We're going to rank them from 20 to number one, and we've got an honorary pick yeah. of players. So about 11 players. About 11 players in the honorary pick. Um, it's quite an interesting one. Um, yeah, it would be actually <laughs> one to uh, look forward to. But let's start off with uh, some of the topics that have been uh, making uh, serious rounds over the last uh, couple of hours. Between the, 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 the setting of the sun on Tuesday and the rising on Wednesday, uh, Tottenham Hotspur uh, climbed the uh, Twitter trends across uh, the all social media platforms of the world yeah. and obviously uh, sacking um, Mauricio Pochettino and getting in Jose Mourinho. What was your first thought when you saw that story of Solis? My first thought was I did not see that coming, but at the same time, it wasn't really much of a surprise. Um, Tottenham have kind of been underwhelming so far this season. They've, um, the results really go back all the way to last season where the Champions League run, as many have said, kind of papered over the cracks. There's been a steady decline in terms of performances, in terms of um, wins. I, I, think, I don't think any team in the Premier League has won fewer games than Tottenham this, this year, which is <laughs> disastrous for a club of their standing. So ultimately, Mauricio Pochettino had to go and um, he lives with his head held high. He has five years of credit in the bank in terms of managing Tottenham, so I'm sure he will land on his feet somewhere. It's funny, that credit is the reason we all thought he's got too much capital to get fired, and when you've got that much capital in the bank, across across the top managers in the world, when you rank them in terms of job security, you would have thought Pep Guardiola, number one, can never get fired. Jürgen Klopp. Jürgen Klopp, number two. You would have yeah. thought Pochettino could be number three or thereabout. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I... I was surprised by, by it, but at the same time, I was also surprised that Tottenham took that decision now. Because I felt, okay, if they were going to take that decision, probably at the start of the international break, yeah, when they could yeah, the sit down and really plan. And it's been said that they had been talking to Mourinho for a while. So if they really wanted to do that, then they probably should have done that earlier, maybe at the start of the season, so I would have like, the whole season to plan and all of that. But he, they didn't do that. That's why it was so surprising. But then again, on the other hand, we understand that you know, Tottenham have really, really been in decline. And there's just a lot going on you know, at the background, the dressing room. Things don't, don't seem right and it's reflecting the results. So, of course, it's understandable. Like I said, it's a good marriage. Like I've said before, it's a good marriage that had to end. And um, I, I don't think um, Spurs made a bad decision ending it. I think Pochettino himself was tired of the job. Mm. I think he had, I mean, they peaked. That Champions League final was like the peak. I expected him to leave in the summer, but I understand that. You know, sometimes managers don't leave because they want to get that um, severance package. Right. Like, why would I do all this we work? We hear he actually had an option to resign before he got fired. Yeah. But when yeah, you say it's a good marriage, that. it's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? You're more, you're better with literature. He's a good, good marriage never really end, do they? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, to, to see him get fired was quite a surprise. But let's talk about where sports might potentially finish in the Premier League. You're 11 points off um, a fourth, fourth place, place yeah. there about. Uh, but then four points off fifth, so. Four points off fifth, but the fourth place is pretty much where, uh, where they, they need to, to be, be aspiring yeah. for. Jose Mourinho coming in, it's not a target you would normally set him. You'd normally set him a Premier League title. Is it equivalent? Is it? Do you think it's something you can achieve? Yeah. Um. If if he's able to finish the um, top four this season, I think it's it's a good achievement for him, and he can because, um, as much as we're excited about Leicester and Chelsea, we know that, um, the squads are not really, um, robust enough to make that run to the end of the season. So, he just needs a good run. You know, just win three, four games, um, back to back, and 
you know, it's possible for him to to finish in top four. It's interesting to also know, you know, adding to what um, Sarivan had said. Yeah. Um, I mean, Potetino didn't want to. He had the option to to resign. Resign, yeah. He didn't want to take it because I mean, the Obviously paycheck was about twelve point five million pounds. So yeah, he wanted to have that. But it's Who wouldn't? I mean, yeah. I would. I certainly would. is very stingy. So no, but yeah. So, so the thing about it is, if if Levy starts spending now, it should be unfair to put it in because that was what he has been crying out for for the past two three years. It's funny when people talk about spending. Tottenham have just built a, a one billion pound worth of stadium. According to what we hear, it's uh, it's probably the best stadium in the world. Yeah. Uh, if you're Jose Mourinho, they've got fluffy pillows in the in the training ground and um, he actually spent the night there uh, just to prep for uh, the game, uh, the West Ham game. But I was just going to just gonna uh, put this to, to both all of you. When you think about all Tottenham have done, right, do you get the feeling that there is, it's now time to become a winning team? You know, because when people talk about, you know, Levy firing Pochettino, Levy actually fired Harry Redknapp a couple of years ago for finishing fourth in the Premier League. So is it really a surprise that he's, he's let go of Mauricio? Well, yeah, when, when you look at it that way, it's, uh, you're tempted to say yeah, Tottenham should be able to push on right now. But um, the stadium, much as it has made them more attractive, um, especially to a coach like Mourinho and all the infrastructure, these things cost money. And these are loans that they have to pay back. So uh, there is the element of a bit of uncertainty in the short term where they have to pay back these loans, and that might um, affect their... Uh, capability in the transfer yeah. market, so uh, there is a, there is possibly a bit of uncertainty in the, on the horizon. It's not exactly um, it's not a cushy job that Mourinho is walking into, but uh, they they know the profile of manager that they got. They know what he can do. Um, he brings that winning mentality, which is something he's prided himself upon, and he stressed that in this very first press conference. So um, yeah, if they want to push on, they've got just about the right manager. Whether the timing is exactly right is something that we'll see um, in the coming months. Well, let's just uh, quickly uh, touch base with uh, the Euros, which uh, teams are pretty much qualified now, and, and that's something we have uh, been keeping keen eye on. I think we've just uh, we've mentioned uh, Spain. The change in managers, would it affect them? There's a bit of a discord there with uh, the assistant manager. Yeah, he's now left left, yeah. And he's joined by him. Well, I think um, they'll just go back to what, I mean, I mean the, there was not much difference between what um, Enrique was doing at first and what Moreno was doing, although he dropped Parel and that's what <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm very happy that it's gone. Because now Lucho will bring Parel back and now Spain, I think, with Parel back, you know, Spain are stronger. What's your session with Parel? You, you do you really have to ask. He's an amazing player. I think that on, on a more serious well, well, you're not, you're not really note, really on, on, no, 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 on a more serious note, though, um, they were missing what Pyro brings in progressing the ball into the you know, final third. Mm. There was this game they played, I've forgotten, I think it was against Sweden also, where they struggled with you know, creation because they could not get through that you know, space. And, and Koke can't do that. Is that? Koke can't do that. No, Koke is too mechanical. And, and I think I think Koke's form has actually kind of depreciated. Yeah, yeah. For the last two years or there. Yes. Brian yes. Ruiz can do that though. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Fabian Ruiz has been a very very interesting addition to the team. Yeah. yeah. And he's scoring goals too. Yeah. yeah. Scoring goals too. But I think sometimes you he doesn't enter the same spaces that a Pereira would enter. Mm. He's more. He likes to lean towards the you know wide areas then like. Kind of work into, into the center. Exactly. Yeah. Mopara is someone that will 
walk around that middle, pick up the ball from maybe Busquets or somebody, and take it in there with passes and breaking lines and all of that. That's not really Fabian Ruiz like that. He's more, what, it's a bit different. Was, wasn't that a Thiago Avantara role before? You know? Yeah, but what, what's up with him the now? thing with Thiago is that I'm not... You're just pro-pyro and... No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I like Thiago, right? But I feel like he does a lot of unnecessary things. Sometimes takes too many touches on the ball. Tries to yeah, too, too many take-ons. You know those kind of things. For a sense of Yeah, we, we, saw, we saw a bit of that at the World Cup last year. Yeah. Like exactly, and that's why at, at the World Cup, if you see, if you had looked at the way the Spanish team just worked, they, there was a lot of passing, passing. The game they lost against Russia was it? Yes. They outpassed. Well, still in possession. I yeah. Ramos and Piquet outpassed the entire Russian team. But they did not. They did not. You know, really just like, sometimes guilty of overplaying. Overplaying, yeah. right? Or with someone like Parel, which Parel is, is a lot more vertical. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's so his strong point is just so getting. Who, who would lead yeah. the lines for them? That's, 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 a question. Question. that's a really good question about that's, that's, that's tough. Morata? No, no, I think it's Horace Bauer. What's his name? Horace oh, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah, Bauer is not a striker. Uh, he's yeah, but then he's played through the middle in the last game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's because of the scarcity of available players. I think Morata would get into the team for sure. I, well, with his current form, I think yeah. he will probably make it. But um, I don't think Lucho likes Morata like that. I think Lucho's picks are Alcacer and Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Yeah, Rodrigo, yeah. Really, yeah. Those are the guys he likes. Mm -hmm. He likes Morata somewhat, but I don't think he has as much faith in Morata. He really yeah. likes Rodrigo and he likes Paco as well. So I'm thinking he will probably go one of them. When you say Lucho, I mean, is that Luis Enrique? Yeah, Luis yeah, Enrique. Right. Call him Lucho. Is his first name Lucho? No, it's, 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 it's a play on the music. Right, it's funny, I'm just hearing it for the first time. <laughs> well, let's talk about Germany just before we wrap it up on the Euros and who might potentially uh, get to win it. When you think about Germany and the transition they've made, it's a, it's a semi-transition. Do you think it's full circle already, uh, Solis? Uh, I, I, no, I, I think they really should just pick a pick a stool and sit on it. He thought they should so, fire the manager. And I, 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 think, I, I think so too. I think, I think um, Yogi Love has been there way too long at this point but the problem germany really have now is it's not so much getting rid of yogi love it's who is going to replace him there is not a there is uh, there are a lot of talented german coaches but they are tied up in club jobs um rafranik is upstairs at um, red bull and i mean yeah, ranik would yeah. be a good option yeah but you know he has a very comfortable managerial yeah, position running, South yeah. and, running uh, all Leipzig. the um, red bull clubs so really who gets in there um klopp is you know he's enjoying himself at liverpool he's not going to leave that for the national team um Nagelsmann is still too young so they have this kind of like a coaching vacuum right now and that's i think that's really why you, why your love is still there up until right. this point but um he has tried to evolve the team but it's almost like he's taking the team backwards now because germany used to be a team that played on the counter relied on the counter then they evolved and they became a team better with the ball now they've gone back to playing a system that wants to break in terms of you know bringing forward on the counter but yeah. they are such a top team now that they don't get that space anymore so yeah. there's there's a kind of there's a struggle so they need to pick a stool and decide exactly what they are doing as a team mm. and stick to it and pick the players that uh um, that fits, fits yeah, that, that particular that, that style, that particular style. At the moment I, I just feel they become a bit still in my opinion it's just yeah. a bit, yeah. just a bit still it's just not a you know a vibrancy about the energy the energy in the down. place oh yogi low is here so we've got to 
almost do what he wants. There's that bit of lack of expression, if you, if you ask me. But hey, I think we'll have to wait till uh, 2020 to find out about uh, who gets to win. No mention for Portugal. Nobody thinks Portugal. Portugal, I, I, Belgium. No mention the two. But I, I think for, for me, Portugal are, are my pick for the for the for the Euros in 2020. They're the defending champions, and unlike um, Germany and France. You've seen a conscious effort from Fernando Santos to evolve the team. He's brought in younger players. They are playing less like they did in 2016, which is they relied on a lot of set pieces and yeah. you know breaking. They're more controlled team now in possession. So I think they've gotten better since the last time they won. Yeah. yeah. And there is no none of the other favorites is really flawless. So I think there's a window of opportunity there for them. For yeah, them to I would argue players. that Belgium are flawless. Um, they have, they, have, they have a great team and a setup that works for them. So they like to play ultra-defensive and then they try to counter. And they've, they've got, they have players who have grown into those roles even for their clubs as well. Yeah. Um, so you know, even if it's Chadley or you want to have um, the guy that plays for Leicester, What's his name now? Um, Tillemans. as well, yeah. So you have, you have players who, I mean, you have the back three of centre-backs who would even get better under Mourinho now before the Euros. So I think they have, they have a team that works perfectly for Martinez's style. Mm. And that has been his style even when he was our vegan. It's funny, it's funny because I don't quite fancy Martinez and I don't fancy the next manager I'm about to mention, which is Didier Deschamps. But I feel if Belgium had a manager like that, that is really pragmatic, I just feel tactically they lack something. No, but I mean they were pragmatic against Brazil when it was needed, and they won that. Went on to the next game. Who, who knocked them out? They, they lost to France. Lost to France. They lost, lost to France. So they lost the best. Yeah, team. They France lost France pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah. So they out, they out them. Yeah. This one might say. But I think that um, Belgium's flaws will come, which is or will show, which is when they get to Euros and they get to the deeper stages when um, I still. I, I like Lukaku. Okay, I don't like Lukaku, but I, I rate him because I think his son is a goal scorer. His son that would always, you know, find a way to score. But I think that his flaws are very easily exploitable. If you remember how Cellini marked him at Euro 2016, he just lets him get a touch. But it's funny how Martinez used him in at the World Cup. He used him outright, yeah, and he yeah. was effective against Brazil. Yeah, it was effective. But did you not see the second half when he was shot down? Very easily. Once they put I Miranda mean, you have Dries Mertens, Eden Hazard, and Kevin De Bruyne to cover for that. Cool. But um, the if Brazil has scored early... Oh, please. If, Let's not if, start the ifs game, no, please. Yeah, I understand. It's but not, you not, know that Neymar was playing for like 75, 75 minutes of that match. When he got serious, when Brazil came at them, they looked very vulnerable. Yes, against yes, Japan, yes. they looked vulnerable. Yeah, they against did. France, they lacked ideas. So... Yes, it's cool when you get through qualifiers and you're beating everybody. When you get into those crunch tires, when you have to go up against Matuidi and Kante and all those guys. Who are not the same, by the way, from the World Cup. They're not the same. They're not the same. Yeah, but, but they're, they're, they're pretty solid. They're yeah, they're they're solid. Means. One thing yeah. we haven't quite mentioned is that, you know, all the predictions are perfect, but the next couple of months, the player might miss the, the tournament yeah. due to a big yeah, injury. Yeah, exactly. Let's say Kylian Mbappe missed um, out with an injury. Hurricane. I'm sure there's going to be a big injury to, to, to a top Somebody, player, yeah, to top top player that affects the, the fortunes of their nations going and forward. Also, and also sort of devalues the tournament. Let's move away from uh, the Euros now. Let's mention um, a bit of a, a local story, uh, Geno Raw and the rumbling to the NFF. It hasn't quite been the, the most the, the most quiet or serene place in the last 
one month or thereabout. Fair to say, after the Nations Cup, it hasn't quite been the most quiet and, you know, all the machines working in the right, you know, format. There's been a bit of noise and it feels like they've been papering over crack for quite some time and all of a sudden there are issues that were there and people are just like, you know what, I'm not going to keep up with this anymore. I'm just going to speak up. What you make of, what you make of it? Um, I, coming off the Nations Cup, there, there were basically two schools of thought. There were those who felt that um, <coughs> you know, Raw had not done enough to continue and there were those who felt that he had hit the target and should stay in the job. So there's been that, even up till now, that, that schism remains, you know, different people um, bringing up different opinions. And um, his contract will be up in 2020, so obviously that's a talking point, whether he should get a renewal or not. Personally, my view on it, where Gennaro Roy is concerned, is that you can't sack a manager for achieving power. The worst anyone can say about Gennaro Roy objectively is that he has achieved power. What he's expected to do, he has done. You can't sack him for that. You can't sack a manager because he's not overachieving. You can sack him for underachieving. Gennaro Roy has manifestly not underachieved as Nigeria coach. So. As far as I'm concerned, him getting a new contract should be a, a matter of course. Um, the other rumbles of discontent about, you know, salaries not coming when they should and, you know, all of that. It's just part of the circles that comes with, with Nigeria. Yeah, it's and a normal thing we're used to. It's, yeah. You know, it's something that they just, okay, yeah, you know, we I have to have our drama. Yeah, so, we're used to it. I, I hear he, yeah. he's been asked to now uh, pay tax from the salary. You know, before it was salary after tax. after tax, you know, but now, you know, what he's getting is a little it's bit below what he's he getting. It's just part of what we what we do, and I feel I feel like we're on that self-destruct path again. As usual. As usual, you know. Yeah. I'm sure we're not going to dwell on it. Well, then, um, let's get on to uh, the topic of conversation for today, then. Rank the top 20 football players over the last 10 years. We're taking a window from 2010 to 2019. That's the window for rating the players. And we did mention the ground rules at the start of the show. So how about saying we start off now? Well, time to rank the top 20 football players in their pick years over the last uh, 10 years, which is a, a period of 2010 to 2019. It's been an interesting uh, list we've got here, short list, I must mention, uh, 20 players. Let's start off with uh, the two who are no-brainer, Ronaldo and Messi, obviously. <laughs> yeah, just, just get that out <laughs> of the way. Yeah, just get that out <laughs> of the way. Um, but of course, this is in no particular order, but this is just the pool of players we managed to pick for uh, the rankings. Uh, Luis Suarez, Sergio Ramos, Ian Robin, uh, Neymar, and of course, you've got Robin Lewandowski, you've got Eden Hazard, who made a, an entry, uh, Manuel Neuer, Sergio Aguero, uh, Robert Chiellini, actually, uh, Marcelo, Dani Alves, uh, David Silva. It's funny how you put it here, uh, Wally. Um, not quite sure on the silver, but I think it's David Silva for sure. Um, Edison Cavani, you've got um, Luka Modric, Antoine Griezmann, N'Golo Kante, we're going to talk about him. Uh, Mesa Ozio, you've got Diego Godin. That makes uh, number 20. So Diego Godin uh, wraps up uh, the 20th position. So let's start off with the 20th position then. When you think about the, the plethora of players that we've got, who would you put at the, the 20th position? I'm going to start off with uh, Cerebron. There's no Pareo here, so I think you'll probably pick a Spanish player first then. <laughs> Okay, uh, this but, is tricky. This is very tricky. But if I was going to put like twentieth, right? I'll go with Hazard because I didn't even want him on the list. So <laughs> Hazard. Uh, my reason is 
that Hazard has, you know, he has done very well. I think he has done remarkably well. But in terms of um, attacking players on this list, he's probably one of the most underwhelming numbers compared to the others. If we're looking at it, that's um, a fair point. He's the one that has not scored 20 goals since Lille. That's about eight years ago. So, um, in terms of players in his position, of course, he's more than the goals and the assists yeah. and all that. But also, he has not really made an impact in Champions League at any point. Like, yeah. That is the one stick that Azad, Azad has, game. just to clarify that, Azad has eight goals in 50 games in Champions League. And four of them are penalties. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, that, that's, that's criminal. When you put it that way, then, <laughs> then, he, then, should, it then he, probably, he probably should be 20. Yeah, no. But doesn't that, doesn't that, when you think about the numbers he hasn't got, doesn't that make it even more outstanding that he makes the, the top 20? Because he's such a... a I think Hazard is a player, player, I mean, just like Ronaldinho and maybe JJ Okocha that enjoys the game. Yeah, he's not... He, probably he, for that era. Yeah, so he, he just enjoys himself and he's not really particular about... You know, when... In, 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 I mean, if you have Messi and Ronaldo, when Messi scores a brace today and Ronaldo is playing the next day, he's going to score a hat-trick because he always tries to outdo the other so. players. And for players who have been in, I mean, players like Hazard who are expectedly in a bracket below those two, yeah. he hasn't lived up to his expectation. We feel that he has more to give and yeah. we yeah. see flashes of diving now and then, but then not consistent. Not consistent enough. Yeah. So, kind of sits well with... I don't think he has a standout Champions League moments. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. Like even when Chelsea yeah. won the Champions League. Yeah. Even when Chelsea won, he wasn't, 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 wasn't even a team. There. Just, there. I, I want to join Champions, Champions League winners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, Europa League. Yeah, he, he, he mentioned that. So, and then even in the Europa League, um, Giroud outshined him. Outshined him in the Europa League. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even though UEFA yeah. somehow... Yeah, 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 yeah fast some fun with him. Yeah. Give chance. him the award. So, uh, Eddie Hazard makes uh, number 20 on the list, so he starts off uh, the rankings. It's funny because I actually thought Diego Godin would be uh, number 20, but I think um, now that the die is cast, there's no way he can be 20 anymore. <laughs> Who would you put on 20 uh, on 19, Cerebro? Rather Solis. Uh, <clears throat> number nineteen, I would I would put Giorgio Chiellini. Uh, Giorgio Chiellini is genuinely one of the great Italian defenders of his age. Uh, I feel like when you say Italian defender, there's a particular stereotype yeah. that exists for the Mafias. Italian defender, and yeah, and, and the, <laughs> like a mental image. And Chiellini just embodies all of that. He you know he plays with his heart on his sleeve, gives hundred percent every um, <clears throat> in every game. And he's been a stalwart for Juventus as they've won how many now? Eight titles in a row? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just that's ridiculous, really. Um, but you, you look at him as a player, and his case is a little bit hurt by the fact that Juventus have not been able to achieve that Champions League title which they've creeped for so long. Plus, um, he's, he's not quite as physically dominant as he was when he was younger. Injuries have taken their toll on him as a player. Uh, so you look at the underachievement in the Champions League. And also with the national team. Yes, you look at the underachievement with the national team to a degree. And you look at the fact that injuries have sort of slowed him down. You know he's still a very really great yeah. defender in his own right. And yeah, because I think 19. Four goals in Champions League final. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that, that hurt his case. That so you, you look at all of that. And I think he's done, he, he does well to get in to this top 20, but 19 is... Just about, just about where he yeah. uh, belongs. I would have thought Manuel Neuer would be a, a 19th on the list. He's uh, a goalkeeper. No, Neuer would be way, way high because I, Neuer had yeah. at least three years where he was phenomenal. Yeah, he was, he was, he was I mean, he was, he 
he, he modernized the game with the way he made it um, compulsory for goalkeepers to be more than just being short stoppers. So yeah. he almost shed away the goalkeeper stereotype. Yes, yeah. exactly. And became a football player. Exactly. So that was in goal. Yeah, but yeah, but like he had like 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 what he says, he had a, he had a stretch where he was genuinely untouchable mean. as the best goalkeeper in the world, and he yeah. totally redefined the position in terms yeah. of what is possible and what managers look for now in goalkeepers because yeah. we all talk about how Pep Guardiola insists on the ball playing um, ball playing goalkeeper, goalkeeper. but. In a way, the template is almost conditioned by Noya because if a player like Noya did not exist, he would necessarily have to adapt his own demand. Right. But Noya has shown him that okay, this kind of player is possible, possible. and he's inspired others to come in through. But so. to be fair, while talking about Noya's obvious impact, I think it must be mentioned that um, someone like Valdez. There was Valdez. There, there was, was Valdez. Valdez yeah. Yeah. So so I was just going to say Valdez was not appreciated yeah. enough. For the basics, right? For mm. for the basics of a goalkeeper and the yes. role. Valdez was shot. Valdez was um, was not good enough for that. I, 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 I don't think, I don't think he's, like he wasn't good enough. He started I think, as a clown. That was the problem. Yes. The, the thing, the thing, the thing with Valdez is Valdez obviously was a great sweeper keeper. Yes, and you know he had that, but. Noya combined that with also with being an absolutely yes, outstanding shot stopper. He was yeah. really tremendous doing that for the period of time. Now he's kind of his level has dropped a little bit, but mm. for that period he combined both into one in a way that no other goalkeeper did. Mm. It's funny because uh, people, I mean, if you're listening and you, you're wondering, you know, how do you have a player like Chiellini and you know you're talking about Noya as far as goalkeepers go? It's a uh, it's important to mention it's a 10-year window and we decided to roll it back uh, for the last decade. Yes. Right. That's uh, from 2010 to 2019. And in that period, one of the criteria we did mention was the player must have had you know, incredible seasons uh, over five years. Let's just uh, read out the criteria again. Well, the ranking only captures the peak performances over the last decade, which is 2010 to 2019. Uh, for clarity, of course, uh, of this uh, rankings, it also has to be said that um, the player must have had five or more consecutive peak years within that period. So you could not have had a, a fantastic 2011 and had a, a great 2017, right? You've got to have had that fantastic five-year consecutive period uh, to be in the and rankings. Can I mention that on that basis, um, someone like Hazard has an that, which is why he makes 20. Yeah. Right, so let's just uh, recap. Uh, do we all agree... Um, Giorgio Chiellini at number 19. Yeah. You've got Diego Godin on the list as well, as centre-back, so you might want to... Yeah, but I think... Um, I, I think Godin Good, Good Good has side. Yeah. bigger odds against... Yes. Yeah, because of the team he plays for. Yeah. Compared to Juve, so it's quite, that's quite a great point. plus for him. Yeah. Well, and Godin had a very good... Um, and Atletico um, were showing like, with his national team than, as well. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So, so what do you think about the fact we've got Chiellini on 19, unanimously? Do we then put uh, Diego Godino number eighteen? Yeah, I think it follows. Uh, well, I was thinking, I, I, I was thinking Griezmann because I'm a big fan of Godin. I was thinking Griezmann because just like Hazard, um, I feel Griezmann has more in him than he gives, and at critical moments he has buckled for Atletico Madrid. Um, if you look at it, his biggest moment was I mean he wasn't part of the title winning team. Um, the Europa League, um, rivaling Messi and Ronaldo for the Pichichi. 
then the World Cup, the World Cup, Ballon d'Or, he came. I mean, that was because Neymar was nowhere to be found. So I think probably he, took a call from his sister. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> nice one. I think Griezmann for me, although it would just be out of sentiment, but I feel Griezmann should have. So you think in, 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 that, in that dominant Atletico era? Godin has played a, a more fundamental role than yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. 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 And I feel you on the fact that also that um, when you consider the fact that Griezmann, Griezmann's peak started in 13-14. I think about 13-14. They're about so to be fair. He didn't really have the first part of the decade. And um, 15-16 or really. I, I, to be honest, I think 13-14 yeah. is actually kind of early. Yeah, if you're considering it was peak, yeah. but he scored 20 goals, but he was yeah. he was just getting into that, yeah. that goal that scorer level. bracket. I, I, mean, I never thought that the Griezmann of, of Real Sociedad so would, would, would go to be a great goal scorer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same here. I never Same saw here. that coming. So I thought he was a flying winger. Yeah. I really thought he was a flying winger. Simeone did a good job on him. Yes. I think I think I sense that he's number, you know, 18. Just we leave Jordi Godin for... And later axing. Yeah. I mean, Godin. Let, let me not talk about Godin yet. I love Godin so much. <laughs> and Godin is really fantastic but with Uruguay yeah. also. Yes, yes, yes. There's also that. Yeah. And so, I, I feel like doesn't get the credit he deserves. He deserves. It's, yeah. He's been excellent. Top centre back. Top centre back certainly. Uh, so number twenty, you've got. Um, remind me again now. Hazard at number 20, yeah. number 19, uh, Giorgio Chiellini, number 18, Antoine Griezmann. It's funny because um, a lot of people would not quite agree with that. So who do we put on number? Number seventeen. Number seventeen. This is good. This is this might be a little bit um, surprising, but I will put Mesudozil at number seventeen. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mesudozil, great player, uh, genuinely one of the best number tens at his peak in Europe, and he had a great relationship with Cristiano Ronaldo while um, he was okay. at Real Madrid. But um, the the criticism of Ozil is that when Real Madrid needed to evolve and become you know, that winning team in Europe, they first had to get him out. He had to leave. So um, his, his presence within the team kind of boxed the team in in terms of what they could do tactically. After getting rid of him, Ancelotti came in, won the Champions League, and then they really became that winning machine in Europe that they could be. Um, on his own part, he went to Arsenal, had a nice, really um, good couple of seasons to begin with, but he slowly lost his place in the team as the talisman because um, his production, partly that's not his fault, it's, it has to do with the composition of the Arsenal forward line, but his output within the team has steadily declined. And um, when you look at Germany's World Cup win in 2014, they essentially had to shunt him wide out of his favorite position in order to accommodate him within the team. And he wasn't exactly the catalyst for their win. So, Mesudo um, is a great player, but in terms of what he actually did on the pitch in this era, he had some great awards, you know, German Player of the Year for a long period of time. Which is really good. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, all things considered, I think it's fair to say that he has actually underperformed his ability mm. over the course of the decade, especially after leaving Real Madrid. It's an amazing analysis to make for Mes Ozio, and I even didn't did see it that way, but I think if I were to summarize it, you know, I would say in your peak years, it is impossible for any manager, regardless of the system, Drop to you. play you out of your position. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost impossible. You know, I mean, it would be, it would be a travesty for it to happen, but it wasn't so much of a travesty mm -hmm. to play him 
to find a place for him in the team, although we knew his qualities quite rightly. Yeah. But it's also fair to say there is Golokanti on the list in the 20, so would you put him on uh, 17 then? Point. Yeah. Point. I'll have Kante before Although, I want to argue that Kante's um, exceptional seasons, a couple of seasons with um, Leicester and Chelsea, back-to-back -back titles, he was the reason why both teams won that um, title. And also, um, I mean, no, he was the reason really for me. Um, he was the reason why, he was the reason why Vardy and Mares had the freedom and license to do it's what It's fair to say he came in January, right? Was that? Um, Kante at Leicester. Yeah. The season he won the title. No, no, he no, wasn't. No, no, he, 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 he started the season. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, my, I think, even though I was a bit skeptical about Kante's place in the 20, but I, I think his impact on Leicester in producing that winning season is just by itself is almost beyond what Ozil was able to achieve in the 2010s. Leicester, it's, it's easy now to see Leicester, they're, they're second on the table now, you think, okay, yeah, but Leicester's win that year was simply unprecedented. No one, no one saw, it was the fairy tale of all fairy tales. And even though I don't quite agree that, I don't think Kante you know, was on his, did it on his own, but he was such a huge factor he allowed Leicester play the way they wanted to play that particular brand of football, which was you know sitting deep and hitting teams um, in space on the break, and he was totally crucial to that. Then there's also the World Cup, which he won uh, with France, even though he wasn't throughout the tournament, he wasn't really in his best form. Yeah, and but then he was, he was poor also at the World Cup yeah. final. Uh, in the final, final he was. Yeah, he had to be taken off. Yes, he, that which he did. is also. But yeah, that, I don't I don't know how much that should count against him. When you, especially when you hold it up against what he did at Leicester, and let's not forget that the following season he repeated the trick again at Chelsea, and while Chelsea is a bigger club, that season too they started very badly, and they needed to stabilize before going on a run, and Kante was also pivotal to that, so he improved Mino, and he also elevated a top team to their highest level in back-to-back -back seasons. And I think that counts for a lot. Pre-peak Kante, the one from Kain. Yeah. If you look at his numbers, his stats from Kane, and his stats at Leicester and his stats at Chelsea, you see that they were mirrored, like you can mirror it. Yes. The same yeah. things. Exactly. Same, it's output yeah, out out was transferable output. from. So the only difference was that at Kane, he didn't have the. The eyes. Quality. You know. The quality around him to really do. Well, is that not the same case people would make for uh, Ozil and Werder Bremen? No, no, no. Actually, Ozil. Ozil is the only player who has been top assistant in Germany, Spain, England, World yeah. Cup, Euros. Euros, yeah. You know, so when you put it that way, surely, surely yeah, he has about to be ahead of I mean, okay. So the, yeah, the point, the point Solis made. Sorry, sorry to yeah. you. Yeah. The point Solis made, which I would um, favor Kante ahead of Ozil, is that when Sarri came, and it, it looked like madness <laughs> when he said. Jorginho will play deeper than Kante. Kante was able to um, find another level of his yes, and, and and I mean Kante had the best his best numbers that season. He had five goals and four assists, I think, and he was able to find a space for himself, you know, in that team. And he was still indispensable. He was still the same Kante, and he was able to offer more going forward. 
So and, that, and, and that's notably something that Ozil has struggled to do. Yes. Which is, you know, evolve his game and feeling where the team needs him to feel in. He needs to have the entire structure of the team tailored in a particular way for him to be his best. And when he can be his best, he's absolutely unplayable. But that requires a lot of moving around for moving everybody Moving around else. for him. Uh, player. Yeah. So certainly, um, as Ozil makes the number 17. Yeah. Right then. The Kante follows. Kante, yeah, Kante I think follows. it's almost easy that we put Kante on number 16, yes. just because of the uh, juxtaposing we've just done. So um, we're done with almost the, uh, we're almost done with the bottom five, bottom five. Right then. It's funny how you, when you say bottom five, it makes it sound like, you know, there's a bottom. There's actually no bottom because you're talking the no, 20. We're actually, we're actually, that's actually the top five done, 16 to 20. 16 to 20, right. That's actually, that's actually done. It so um, five players out of the way. We've got 15 more players to, to rank. And um, where do we start with then? Who bridges that divide? When you think about the plethora of names we've got here, we've got Edison Cavani on the list. We've got a couple of other interesting players. Robin also makes the list. As well. I think, well, think Godin no. can come in now. Yeah, I think I think I think fifteen is fair for Godin. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, that pretty much. We, we, agree, we agree on that, right? We agree on I, that. I think, I think, I think he would love to wax. Well, he would love to wax. wax Lyrical, Lyrical, but Godin. given he so. mentioned Godin can come in at, at um, <laughs> yeah, he, maybe he, maybe he someone else. I think when when you when you look at Diego Godin, um, we talk about how Noah redefined goalkeeping. Um, Godin didn't really redefine defending, but he managed to be a throwback in an era when everyone was looking at defenders as the first person to start the attack. Yeah. He reminded us of what defending used to be and he did it while being effective in this same era. He was a part of an analytical team that uh, what they did that year was just literally insane. Um, the later iterations of Atletico now are a little more porous, you know. But back then, that was peak Atletico, shut down Atletico. They would score one and that was it. Um, and it wasn't just him defending. He also pitched in with goals on set pieces. He was tremendous both for club and for country. And he was also part of an Atletico team that made Champions League finals twice. You know, it's one thing shut to... Down you know, like, <laughs> and he scored at the camp. No, that was the, the title so clinching goal. Yeah, yeah I mean, he, he has, scored the equalizer. Yes. Yes. So in, he has he has moments. He has achievements. You know, and, the, you know, and final as well. in terms Champions League final, what, Cassius, that, yeah, that was, that was him. Yes, yeah, when when Cassius went walkabout. So he has he has he has he has he has all of that. So. I think 15 is very fair 15 for 15 works for Godin, yeah. yeah. That 15 is with an asterisk, isn't it? It feels like he actually should be higher. Higher, higher you know, the way you put it. Uh, remind me to buy you a bottle of uh, whatever you are <laughs> indulging. That's a great analysis on, on Diego Godin. I mean, uh, I think that's, that's, all, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, yeah? Well, that's been uh, the Hindsight Podcast. Um, do well to subscribe to uh, the Hindsight Podcast on uh, okay. Google uh, Podcast. And we've been looking forward to uh, more podcasts. It's been interesting having... Uh, you, Siri Brown, on the show. Well, it's been good to have you as well. Yeah. So, Liz, your opinions have been absolutely ridiculous. And I say, and I say <laughs> that in a good way. Lovely. And I say that in a good way. Luckily, it was part of the, um, the, the short list. Unfortunately, uh, you couldn't make it for the podcast. It's been more than what I, we, we thought it would be. And hopefully, you enjoyed it as much as we did. So, yeah, we've had the benefit of hindsight all the way. And we certainly would be rely on that for the subsequent episodes. Mm-hmm.